This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Municipal elections were held across Ontario yesterday. Let's recap a couple of the results for you. Toronto has re-elected John Tory as mayor. Tory looks forward to continuing the work he already started. We've made so much progress on getting transit and housing built and growing our economy. And now we have a strong mandate to continue with that progress. And that is what I asked for, a strong mandate, and that is what I've been given. Former Ontario NDP leader Andrea Horvath has won the mayoral race in Hamilton. Horvath says it's an honour to continue serving people. We are but servants of the people of this city. It is our job to make sure that all of our hopes and dreams are realised and that we build a beautiful city that we can all be proud of. Former Ontario Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca has won the mayoral race in Vaughan, Ontario. Del Duca laid out some of his priorities. The work that we had ahead of us, we have ahead of us, is considerable. We are a city that will continue to grow and needs to grow. We need more good jobs. We need more sustainability. We need to fight traffic gridlock with everything that we have. And Mark Sutcliffe was elected mayor of Ottawa by a narrow margin. Sutcliffe says residents made a clear choice. The people of Ottawa made a clear decision. You voted for positive change. You voted for compassion and fiscal responsibility. You voted for a safer, more reliable, more affordable city. It was a good day to be a former provincial politician or a former broadcaster. John Tory, Mark Sutcliffe, former broadcasters, they get to be mayor and... Del Duca and Horvath, professional politicians, continuing to be professional politicians. Maybe there's a future for me one day. Let's say hello to Elizabeth Moeller, our community reporter in Toronto. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Dave. Of course there's a future for you. Why would you even think anything else? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if a life of politics is for me. Too much shaking hands and hanging out with people. I prefer my time in the lair. Elizabeth, as mentioned, there were all those municipal elections that were held across the province yesterday. Before we get into your experience voting in Toronto, as always, you were well prepared beforehand. So how did you go about planning and preparing for a smoother election experience? You know, there's a really great app and it's called My Vote and you can download it on your mobile device or you can go onto your PC or Mac computer and get onto the website. And what's really great about My Vote was there's a couple things that this year were different. You can actually download and print off your ballot. So for a number of us, if you've just moved, you may not get your ballot mailed to you or it's in print with no distinguishing features. So you may not know what your ballot is when it comes in the mail. Ergo, you may throw it out thinking it's a piece of junk mail, <laughs> which is what I did. Uh, you know, confessions here, Dave. But not to worry because you can print off your ballot. It's a, it's a PDF um, and you can take that with you. The other great thing is you can actually search up where to go to vote. Now in the past, when I've tried to do this, there's a map and it's very visual and you have to put a pin in your neighborhood and then drop the pin and it wasn't accessible with JAWS. This year you could type in your address and it would pop up. And then what you were able to do is you were able to see where you could vote in the pre-voting, pre-election day. So where you could go to vote 
before October 24th, and then where you would vote on the day. The other nice thing is you could see what the accessibility features are, because some voting stations didn't have accessibility features. So you were able to kind of do that research as well. The other thing I liked is in ASL, they had a video walking you through the process of voting. So what pieces of identification do you need? What do you need to bring with you? Many people came yesterday to my voting station and they didn't have proper ID and had to be sent away mm. uh, to get that. So a lot of really great stuff on my vote. The, the other thing is you can see all your city councillors. Who's running for city councillor in your ward? You can see all the mayoral candidates, the school board trustees. And you're also able to do things like update and change your voter information. So for me, my my full name is not something I wanted on my voter code card, so I was able to just put in Elizabeth Moeller. So really nice, handy-dandy tool, my vote. Uh, certainly something to keep in mind for the next election. Elizabeth, you're always such a great resource, especially around election time, because you are so well-prepared. You do your research. There are people who maybe just turned 18 or maybe have not been involved in the political process before. What advice do you have for a first-time voter? You know, I was thinking about this last night, and it's make a plan to vote. And when I say that, I don't just mean make a plan on the day to go out and vote. I mean thinking through the accessibility. So actually sitting down and talking it out with somebody and saying, hey, on the election day, here are the things I think I'm going to need. Let's do some research to figure out if my station has Braille ballots or if I need to get those brought into my polling station. Do I have a ride on election day? Because you can actually set that up if you don't have a ride. Figuring out maybe you want to go in the pre-voting or in the pre-election day voting because it's quieter it's easier to get around. Uh, really thinking through what what tools are out there to help me vote. Maybe I don't read Braille and maybe I need a, a sip, sip and puff device to help me vote or one of the audio devices that reads out the candidate names. So thinking about what is my plan to vote and what accessibility things do I need to build into my voting plan and thinking about contingencies. So if my ride doesn't show up on the day, how am I going to get to the mm. election site? So really, I think having a really good solid plan. And when I was 18, I actually voted in the, the pre-voting day um, option because it was a little bit easier to just kind of navigate that first time experience in a quieter environment. And I would also just throw in, don't go during busy time. So don't go after work if you can help it at all. Yeah. Early in the days, your friend or the middle of the afternoon is always a nice time as well. That 1 PM, 2 PM range, you know, when regular people, when normal people have to work, it's a great time to scoot in there and, and pounce on an opportunity. Uh, Elizabeth, exactly. I think we've reflected on your experience voting literally in now in two elections in the last 12 months between the federal election and the provincial election. Well, now we lean again on your experience from voting in this election. Is there anything you feel could be done better in terms of accommodations during or before voting day? Yeah, I, you know, I had actually called ahead and asked if they could have a, a braille ballot and that I would be bringing someone with me to assist. And when I got there, I, th I guess that information hadn't have been communicated. So I think just really making sure that folks who are running the election are aware of the different options. And I think the other thing, the, the other really big piece to knowing that you can actually get a, a mail-in ballot, so you can you can mail your ballot, or you can get a proxy to vote for you. Those are things that I learned in this election, so just some accommodations to think about in the future. The other thing, too, that I would think about for, for voting is really to think about um, how, how are you going to navigate the Braille ballot if you've never done it before? So going in early and maybe getting some help with that accommodation, um, because the Braille ballot isn't a straight if you've never done it, there's different numbers for the different candidates. So if you've never done it, just being able to go in early and get some help with that. And that's something this year that unfortunately just the folks in my in my particular election um, 
office weren't weren't as equipped for. So those accommodations weren't there, but you know, good thing to to report into your city councilor about mm. for sure. Elizabeth, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked as part of the daily poll yesterday on municipal okay. election day, and that is, do Hope you? I get- Well, we did have 91% of the people land on one side of this, uh, one side of this question, but do you find that municipal elections cause too much litter, whether it be door hangers, signs everywhere? Is there too much clutter and litter when it comes to all this municipal election material? Absolutely. Yes. Hardcore. Yes. And, you know, even Dave, as I was saying, the voter cards, they're not accessible. There's no way I would know unless I scanned it or asked somebody what that piece of paper is. There's no distinguishing markers. So do we need a mail-in voting card or, you know, could could people print off their voter cards from the PDF or not even print them off? Just bring their phone with the PDF to the mm. election site and say, this is my voter card. And if you want one mailed to you, absolutely, you can do that. But that shouldn't maybe be the default. So many of us now are doing things online. Uh, the the flyers and the, the litter that's dropped off is often something that I can't see. So it goes right in the bin. It's so wasteful. And I think there's so many more ecologically friendly ways to do this. Yeah, and to a certain degree, I understand that politicians have a very particular way of doing things. Also, there tend to be a lot of rules around this, too. Oftentimes, there can be a lot of gatekeeping that goes on that says, no, no, you can't do this or you can't do that as a way to woo voters. You can't go into this building, but you can go into this building and drop off cards. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I get that maybe there's some rigidities that make it a little bit difficult for politicians and their campaigns to think creatively or think outside the box. But yeah, you're well to point out that there's also a big-time accessibility angle here. You're absolutely. trying to make a case to me and you're putting this door hanger on my door and it's literally just colors and little tiny fonts that do nothing for me. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, I always find that the phone calls are the best if you want to get the the most accessibility built in possible. Not everybody has a computer. We know that or a tablet. Not everybody can read the door hangers. So the old telephone works best, I think. Yeah, phone phone calls. I also do appreciate when someone will actually knock on my door. That was Yeah, me too. That was my big complaint yesterday. People were leaving door hangers. Oh, looks like I missed you. But I was definitely home, and you definitely didn't knock on the door. <laughs> but they did miss you. They did miss you. They definitely did miss me. That's that's for sure. Elizabeth, let's uh, pivot to something a little bit more fun and a little bit more seasonal. Halloween is next Monday, so there are ghost tours aplenty going on all across the province. What's on your radar? Well, Toronto has something called the Toronto Ghost Tour. These are a multiplicity of tours that are running basically every night from now until Halloween. So depending on your level of spookification and your your budget... (laughs) There are different tours. So there's one I really want to check out, the Elgin Theatre. You go in with a group of people and you get to actually hear about some of the haunted stories and maybe even talk to a few spirits if you're in the mood. And then maybe go for a spirit if you're feeling a little frightened. Uh, There's another one that I did. It was fantastic. It was an audio described tour. And it walked through some of Toronto's downtown haunts and talked about some of the, the history there. There's another one at University of Toronto talking about some of the haunting sites of the campus. As well as one at Black Creek Pioneer Village. And that one does say that it's a little bit spooky. So they ask you to be over 18 for that one. Another great one. This looks like lots of fun. A haunted cruise leaving... Um, harbor front every night at eight o'clock you go around for an hour and a half and you hear some of the haunted stories of the island you see this is a wide range of ghost tours and ghost opportunities and haunted walks to do here elizabeth the last couple of years we've had to rely a lot on audio tours or online tours or virtual tours is there still any of that going on this year 
Yes, there is a virtual campfire with Jim Dean, and you can sign up for that. They run every night. It's 14 bucks to participate. It's an hour and a half, and you can bring the spookiness right to your home. So folks aren't feeling quite ready to get out there yet. They have that option as well. Elizabeth, you've told us before about so many storytelling opportunities in these kinds of tours. Do you find you're someone, you're, you're someone who gets into the Halloween spirit? Does Halloween oh, work for yeah. you? I love Halloween. I'm getting in right after Thanksgiving. I went, like I said, on Saturday to a tour. I was totally immersed. I will probably be doing some spooky things on the weekend. I think for me, what's really fun about it is this opportunity to kind of hear stories that we don't normally get to talk about and kind of just test our limits a little bit. Who doesn't like to do that? Maybe I'll even watch some X-Files. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know, Elizabeth. There was a time in my life where I could very much handle the horror films. I really liked them. As as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten a little bit softer oh. and they tend to resonate with me. I was tell I was telling the, the gang on the show last week that there was a remake of Ooh, gosh. What was it Halloween? It's not Halloween, is it? No, no, no. It was a remake of Evil Dead a couple of years ago oh. in 2013. And I went yes. to go I went to go see it in theaters. And there was one scene in particular that I found particularly jarring and I did not sleep right for two or three days. And okay. that was kind of the moment I where I... will take you to my scary movie. It'd be my scary movie, buddy. I do uh, wonder what AMI's got planned for this weekend. Any scary Halloween movies? We'll have to see. Yeah, I wonder what our described what our described feature uh -oh, film is Saturday on Saturday night nights. Is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but I know you won't be watching it, Dave. Un I can <laughs> unlikely. It's not, not just because I'd be scared, but it's also college football season. So I've got a lot yeah. of priorities in the right. middle, Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth, thank you for this. Have a lovely spooky season, and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks as part of a roundtable right, with Marco. Absolutely. Try not to be too scared. <laughs> I'll do my best. That's Elizabeth Moeller, a community reporter in Toronto, Ontario. And if you want to learn more about the stories that Elizabeth covered there, including some of those ghost tours and haunted walks, we'll make sure we share that after the show on the blog, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.